All right, you guys look awfully good. Let me just, um, if I can, try to unpack a little bit of what we just experienced, because that could be really new to a lot of us. The Bible says, um, I won't read it all now, but 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are two places that you can go and read about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, But one of the gifts of the Spirit is a word of knowledge and really... I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, I went to school in this county, so words of knowledge are awesome, right? Because I don't typically have a lot of knowledge. Um, but a word of knowledge is simply, you know, that. I mean, I'm standing in the back, and we're worshiping, and everything's great. It's fantastic. And God just said brokenness, and, you know, there's no way that I would know if anything's going on in somebody's life other than that. But, you know, obviously something was going on in people's lives, right? I've never sat with a dress on. This is kind of hard. So, okay. (laughs) Um, So anyway, that'll happen every now and then, okay? Um, And it'll happen at, at some risk to us. Because it's possible that some of you will go, well, that was interesting. See ya! It's possible. We, we don't want you to leave because of that. But this is a place where we believe that we get to meet God. And so when, I don't know how you are, but I've gone to church a lot where I'm not sure that God even came. Have you ever had that happen? Kind of walk out of church going, that was awesome. I don't know if Jesus actually showed up, but it was cool. I like it when God comes. It's a little bit messy. A little bit awkward, but it's good, okay? So 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, those are some passages you can read this afternoon if you'd like to. And um, I'll try to be really authentic and honest with you guys. When something like that happens, I'll definitely try to explain, hey, here's what we just experienced. And those of you that came up and let me pray for you, thank you. It takes a lot of courage, you know, in a crowd of people to say, I'm falling apart. I need help. It's, it's impressive. Mm. I am back from India. That's why I have, um, it's not a dress. Gary, what is it called again? Where's Gary? What, what did he say? What is, he, he gave it some really fancy name. I think it means dress, but <laughs> it's not a dress. It's, some, it's a man's shirt in India. Um, I'm going to try not to talk too much about India today because I'm, I'm just trying to unpack in my brain what I experienced. So maybe next week we'll share communion together and um, talk a little bit about, about India. Um, I'll probably share a little bit as we're going along today. But anyway, this is our last week in our Undeniable series, and today we're talking about undeniable fascination. You got your sheets there. You can follow along. Um, let me give you the first blank. Does everybody have enough? Do we have enough sheets? Do you need a sheet? We have pens too, if you want to. It's so you can take notes, but you can also doodle if you'd like. Sometimes I doodle while I'm speaking. A little stick figure here. And, um, number one is that God, God is undeniably fascinated with us.
kind of let that sink in a bit. God is undeniably fascinated with us. We don't often think of it like that. Um, we don't realize, I think, how taken God is with us. Those of you that, that responded this morning, he's so fascinated with your life that he broke into a service to speak to you. He's fascinated with you. Now, that's a little awkward for us because we typically feel like we're not worthy of that. Zephaniah 3.17, you can just jot that down. I'll read it to you. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now, listen, that word rejoice, when it says he'll rejoice over you with singing, it literally means leap for joy. So, like, close your eyes and picture, because, you, you know, we picture God is on his throne, all royal. And, but this verse says if you could close your eyes, he is so fascinated with you that he leaps with joy at you. It literally means in circles. The song that Phil and Jennifer were just singing, You Dance Over Me, this is where that comes from. And it doesn't say dance, but when I think of leap for joy in circles, that's dancing. I mean, unless it's me dancing, and then it's like this awkward, whatever, white guy, no rhythm dancing. But anyway, one more verse, um, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon. Just another verse to show you how much he's fascinated with you. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. I just want to make sure we lay this groundwork. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 14 to 15 says, this is the man talking, this is God speaking. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, he says this to you, show me your face, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. So here the man's talking to the woman that he loves. <clears throat> Amen. If you're married and you're looking for like a nice greeting card, just get a piece of paper out, write those two verses. Just hand it to your wife. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. Catch the little foxes. You'll lose her on that part, but go with the first two. So he, he doesn't want you to be hidden from him. He, he wants to see you. I mean, this is God talking to you. And lots of times we think of God seeing us and we want to hide, right? We want to make sure like we're all cleaned up and we're perfect and then we're presentable to God. And he's like, no, no, don't hide. Let me see. Come on. Come on. Let me see your face. It's like when... You know, Sydney dresses up and she comes walking out. She doesn't walk out like this. She goes, right? She's excited. God wants to see you. He wants to hear your voice. His, his descriptions are intimate. You have a sweet voice. You have a lovely face. This is the language of fascination and love. Verse 15, when it talks about the little foxes, what I love about this, anybody in a relationship, it's okay to raise your hand. Be proud of it. Or ask for prayer, one of the two. If you're in a relationship, you totally get verse 15. 
It's, it's the details, isn't it? It's not the great once-a-year date, I'm taking you to Yadkin Valley for a steak and just to show you that I love you. I mean, wives love that kind of stuff. But how many wives would trade a date at Yadkin Valley for, like, the dude doing some dishes? Yeah. Like, if you could just do the dishes, could you, like, pick your underwear off the floor and, like, move it a couple feet and drop it into the hamper? That'd be awesome. It's the little things that ruin the relationship. And God is so into you that he says, hey, take care of the little things. Catch those little foxes. Because I want to have a relationship with you. I'm fascinated with you. Bottom line, he is totally committed to fascination with you. It's undeniable. Number two. If God is undeniably fascinated with us, then we are to be undeniably fascinated with him. Psalm 33, 8, just jot that down. I'm going to teach you some Hebrew. You're going to be awesome. You're going to be so smart today. Psalm 33, 8. If I start mumbling and you can't understand me, it's because I have plane lag. That's what Sydney calls it. Dad's got plane lag. No, I'm like this all the time. <laughs> Verse Psalm 33, 8 says this. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. This is a, word that talk, this is a verse that talks about being in awe of God. And the Hebrew word is, um, is ger. Everybody go, ger. You speak Hebrew. That's very good. And it literally means to sojourn, to abide, to dwell, to remain, to inhabit. Basically, on a practical level, I don't mean to offend, but it means that what we should have with Jesus is the total opposite of a one-night stand. Now, in the American church, we have mastered the art of the one-night stand with Jesus. Is it okay for me to say that? We do an event, we go to a service, and then we don't see Jesus and hang out with him for a week. This says, I don't want to just be with you once. I want to dwell with you. I want to abide with you. He wants permanency with us. Matthew 17, 4, you don't have to turn there, just jot it down. This is after the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, In the Bible, that's a story where Jesus took his disciples up on a mountain, and he just kind of went, Hey, guys, check this out. And he unzipped the human flesh that he had on, and it says that they saw him shining. And he was like, he went, check it out. And they could see, like, his glorified body. Kind of freaky, right? As they're walking down from the mountain, Peter turns to Jesus in Matthew 17, 4, and he says this. Let's just stay here. I'll pitch some tents, and we can just live here. And Jesus is like, no, we gotta, I got to go die, and I got you know, all this stuff we got to do. I'm not going to stay here. And people rag on Peter, but Peter kind of had it right. He saw the glory of Jesus. He was fascinated with it. And he's like, let's don't leave. Let's just stay here. The problem that Peter had is this. His mistake was that he wanted to limit the fascination to a specific place. Or event. How many of you have ever been to youth camp? Yeah. You ever come home from youth camp 
Like I went to youth camp one time. God moved in my life. It was phenomenal. I got home. My dad met me at the door, and he said, Hope Camp was good. Take out the trash. And it was like, just like that, all the stuff that I felt at camp was gone. Oh, I'm back in the real world. You know, that's your typical camp experience. We limit fascination to a place. The danger this morning, for those of you that God met right over here, is to walk out later and go, well, nothing really changed. I wish I could go back to that moment. That's what, that's what Peter was struggling with. When he said, let's just stay here, Jesus, he wanted to stay in that one moment. Jesus doesn't want you to be fascinated with him once at an event. He wants you to be fascinated with him all the time, everywhere. John 15, 4. One more Greek word here, and then we'll get to the last two points, which are probably the most important. John 15, 4, Jesus said this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. The words for remain are minnow, not like the fish, but it's, it's the equivalent in Greek of the Hebrew word ger that we learned earlier. And Jesus is saying, look, it's a two-way street. Abide with me. Stay with me. Dwell with me. Let's have a relationship, a permanent relationship daily. And if we'll do that, if you do that, I'll do that, that's fascination. Make sense? Okay, last two. Number three. Fascination can transcend every situation. Transcend every situation. It's a big word. Transcend means to rise above something, to outstrip something, to outdo something. Um, Colossians 3.2, Paul said this. To see yourself as seated above. When I got on the plane and I went to India... You've been on planes before. The coolest part of the plane is, is the takeoff and the landing. I love the takeoff because all of a sudden like, you're on the earth and then whoop, you're way up here. And everything's really tiny. That's transcending. I mean, how, some of you have situations in your life right now that you're just like, God, I would love for you just to whoop, lift me up over that thing. Fascination with Jesus can help to transcend every situation. It's a good thing. Paul said in Romans 12, 21, to overcome evil with good, to overcome it, to rise above the evil, the stuff in your life, rise above it. Paul knew what he was talking about because what happened to Paul in Acts chapter 16? Remember, he and Silas were in prison, bad situation, and they started to praise God and their fascination with Jesus kind of helped them rise above that. Now, if we stopped there, here's the problem. We become heavenly-minded and no earthly good. You know people like that? They're always walking around. I mean, there's no doubt that they love Jesus, but they'll walk right into you because they're not even looking where they're going. Ah, oh, Jesus is, oh, excuse me. You, you can't even talk to them. You can't relate to them. They have no clue what's going on down here on earth. And so it's not good enough to be so fascinated with Jesus that we rise above every situation. What God wants, the second step is this, number four. He wants fascination to also transform every situation. I want to make sure that you get the difference, okay? The first one, when fascination transcends it, when we arise above it, 
It's because Jesus, we place Jesus, he puts us above our situation. We become so fascinated with Jesus, we rise above our situation. What happened over here? That's what went on this morning for just a moment. And wasn't it a great moment? Isn't that a great moment when you're standing here and you're just so caught up with Jesus that you forget what is going on? And he just, he pulls you right up here. It's fantastic. That's transcending it, right? We go up here. Jesus takes us up here. But when, when fascinates when Jesus transforms our situations, it's when we are so fascinated with him that we bring him into the situation. I want you to understand the difference. God did not call you to live above everything like it's not even happening. He called you to bring him into this stuff, into the horrible work environment, into the broken marriage, into the relationship, into just flat out being broke financially. He didn't call you to act like that stuff's not happening. He called you to bring him right into it. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, I'm a runner occasionally. Um, Linda's a runner. We'll have to pray for Linda this week because she's going to go run her first half marathon. And if Linda runs anything like me, when I start to get very, very tired during a run, I start to do this mailbox trick where I pick a mailbox out and I go, I just, I keep my eyes, I fix my eyes on that, which is dangerous if there's traffic coming, right? I get it. You have to make sure you're off the road. But I'll just kind of fix my eyes on a point, and I'll run until I get to that point. And then I'll fix my eyes on another point, and I'll run until I get to that point. And something about focusing on something off in the distance really helps you get to that place. Now, I'm telling you that because that's not what Paul's telling you to do. Paul's not saying, look way off in the distance and see Jesus and just run this life until you get to him. He's not, he doesn't want you to see it as a goal way off in the distance. He wants you to look at Jesus because Jesus is coming to you. And that makes all the difference in the world. Illustration that will make it very plain. And then we're going to be done. When I was proposing to Wendy, glorious day for me, scary for her, I drugged her first, and she said yes. It was awesome. <laughs> no, really, have another Coke. <laughs> um, when, when we were approaching our wedding day, and I, I think I've shared this with some of you, when we were approaching our wedding day, I really started to get nervous. Um, not just the whole, like, I'm going to marry this woman, and I've got to get a good job so I can provide for her. But I, I would get nervous because sometimes when, I get, when I'd get in front of people and I would get really, really nervous, I would just start to sweat like crazy. I don't know if any of you ever do that or not. But like in college, I would get up and give like oral reports. And when I got done, I would look like I had been in the shower. It was, it was horrible. And so I'm thinking, oh, God, it's my wedding day. It's like the day that Wendy has dreamed of since before she was born. Please, please, God, if there's a God, don't let me sweat at the altar while I'm waiting for her to come down. Because if you don't like to be in front of crowds, the groom has the worst job of all in a wedding. Because you have to stand there, and people are just staring through you. Hey, everyone. How's it going? You know, it's just awkward. Very, very um, 
unnerving. So making all kinds of deals with God, you know, if you'll keep me from sweating, we'll go to Africa as missionaries. And finally, I step out, and I'm standing there with the pastor and my brother and my dad, and, and I'm just like, And then my, my, my nephew comes down, and they, the ring bear, and then, like, the groomsmen are coming, and the bridesmaids are coming, and I'm just like, and then the door opened at the back of the room, and Wendy walked in, and something changed. Suddenly, there was nobody staring at me, because I could see nobody but her and she's walking down the aisle and I'm just I'm fixed it's like wow I'm catching a little fox (laughs) and she walked all the way down into the rest of the ceremony it's just me and Wendy if I sweat who cares I didn't Hallelujah, and I'm sure at some point we'll be in Africa as missionaries because I don't know if I told you that I made that deal with God, but anyway. But when my eyes were fixed on her, everything faded away. She came into that room, and when she came near to me, she transformed that situation. Fascination with Jesus transforms the situation. It doesn't just lift you above it. It doesn't just transcend you above it. It transforms it. It changes everything. The presence of God changes everything. If you don't remember anything else that I say today, that's what you need to remember. The presence of God changes everything. If I take anything away from my trip to India, it's this. Their their walk with Christ is so full of power because they don't worship in a way that they're trying to strike a deal with God for him to show up. They live this every day. They wake up in the morning. (laughs) Listen, I'll tell you this. The first Sunday we were there, last Sunday, they did a baptism service. So they invited us to come. And and I was supposed to baptize, but it didn't work out, so it was no big deal. Um, But I'm sitting there, and the pastor comes in to kind of talk to the people that are going to be baptized. Now, in this culture, they're 98% 98 Hindu. So most of the people there are Hindu. And so he stands in front of them and he says, if you're here to be baptized, I just want to talk to you for a little bit about what it takes, you know, what this does. It's a huge step. Here's what it means. And he said things like, you know, um, if you're going to be baptized, then obviously, you know, you're going to want to pray. You need to be a, a person of prayer. And, you know, a lot of people are going to pray. Maybe, you know, maybe you, can't, maybe you can't pray an hour a day and two hours a day, but 30 minutes minimum. Um, you, you need to be reading the Bible. I know you probably can't spend, you know, three hours a day in the Bible, but, you know, 30 minutes to an hour minimum. You need to be tithing. Then he goes, if you can't do that, there's the door. You don't need to be baptized today. You can still attend our church, 
and we'll love you, and maybe future you'll be baptized, but um, this is what Christians do. This is how Christians live. This is what sets us apart from being Hindu. And so at, at the bare minimum, if you, if you can't do that, then you need to just feel free to not be baptized. I'm walking out, and um, one of the guys on our team said, Paul, did that make you want to be baptized again? And I said, it made me wonder if I'm even qualified to be baptized. I mean, that's crazy. But that's what they do. That's a life that is fascinated with Jesus. And because they're fascinated with Jesus, he's in every one of their situations. He transforms the situations that they're in. And I said, God, please, when I go back to America, when I'm back at the gathering, can we please, God, become a church like that? Not because we have to do these things, but we were so fascinated with Christ. Why would we not want to spend more time with him? Why would we not want to read the Bible? Why would we not want to come to a place like this where we can worship and his presence like it did today comes into this room through a worship song and changes everything? That's undeniable fascination. Somebody told me once, and we're wrapping up, I don't know how long I've been married, but we were in one of our churches and this lady walked up to me in the service and she said, can I tell you something about you, Paul? And I was like, sure. I hope it's good. And she said, I can always tell when Wendy walks in the room. And I said, really? Like, because you're watching the door? And she said, no, I'm just, I'll just see it on your face. I think that was a good thing. I don't think it was like, oh, Wendy's here. <laughs> she said, I could just, you, she said, you light up when she comes in the room. Let me ask you this question. Do you light up because Jesus is with you? Do you light up because his presence is in your life? Are you undeniably fascinated with Jesus? Would people say that's a, a mark of your life? I want to be undeniably fascinated with him. I want people to know there's something different about me. I want people to look at my life and know that Jesus has come into the room. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that that would be our heart's cry. That we would be people who are totally fascinated with you. That we would understand that you dance over us, God. That you watch over our lives even when we're not realizing that you're doing it. That you are nuts about us. That you created us to fellowship with you like that. That when you say things in John... Like, you abide with me and I'll abide with you. What you're not calling us to is a slavery of quiet times. God, that's not what I'm here for. We didn't sign up for that. Well, you better do your 25 minutes a day. God, you've come to set us free from feeling like we have to do anything. God, when we're fascinated with you, I didn't have to marry Wendy. I, I asked her to marry me. I chose to marry her. I wanted to be with her. 
God, would you please do a supernatural work in us at the gathering that we would be known as people who want to be with you. We want you to show up in our services. We want you to mess us up. But anything outside of that, God, is, is dead religion to us. God, we truly want to be amazed by you. And I ask that you would do a work inside of us this morning. So deep, God, that just knowing that you are fascinated with us would begin to open us to you. We don't give in the offering because we have to. We don't tithe so that we can get a blessing from you. We don't spend time in prayer because we're trying to pull your strings. God, I, we do it because you've so changed us on the inside. Your love has so overwhelmed us that, God, we're just open to you. Hey, God, anything you want from me, take it. Take my money. Take my life. Take my children. God, we're yours. just for a moment close your eyes and just sing this chorus softly to him Lord I'm amazed let's just make this our time with him cause Lord I'm